0: Joanne. So are we blessed or what to have J.P. Moreland with us today?
1: Yes, it is such an honor to have you here with us, J.P. We love your latest book. I know you've written many, but your latest book has been so inspirational to Tom and I. So thank you, honey. You really, want to talk about It really has been.
0: Yeah, it's just brought a lot of things together for us in our journey, J.P. So we, we cannot thank you enough. We're going to get into it in a minute, and I'm going to just read the bio. But most importantly, JP is our friend and hope and we are just so blessed every time we visit with them so encouraged so mm-hmm. this 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 well, time flyby
2: I'm going to interrupt you and say that the privilege is really mine I my wife and I have read so many of your books and writings and and we have been changed by you and it's been mm-hmm. uh, we're, I'm honored to be here and anything I can do to to Strength in your ministry is a privilege. So thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: JP, that is humbling to hear. Thank you. You are so kind. So oh, so great.
0: My goodness. Thank you. Well, wow. J.P. Moreland is the Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at Talbot mm-hmm. School of Theology and Director of the Eidos Christian Center. Did I say that right? The yeah, that's fine. Center. Yeah, with degrees in Philosophy, Theology, and Chemistry. Wow. I mean, pretty easy degrees right yeah <laughs> this is not like taking p.e dr morland has taught theology and philosophy at several schools throughout the united states the author of numerous books and i'm, I'm looking at one right now love your god with all your mind was it's just so helpful to me i i just love this book the role of reason in the life of your soul boy christian faith needed it and yeah. it was god's timing to write it through you um, he also served uh, with crew, planted two churches, spoke at hundreds of college campuses and churches. Moreland has been recognized by the best schools as one of the 50 most influential living philosophers in the world today. Wow. My goodness. Wow. I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> we do. We, we totally do. do. We do. And your sound scholarship. But your big heart for God has really helped us. And you and Hope both mm-hmm. have that. That's and right. uh, we just had a great time getting to meet you. And we were privileged because you had read Dreams and Visions. And we had questions That's for right. each other. And so Joanna has some great scriptures she's going to share that you share in the beginning of the book. So you want to yeah, read those? Yeah, I'm going to
1: hold up your book, this, this latest. I assume this is your latest book written in 2021, yes. A Simple Guide to Experiencing Miracles. And who doesn't want to see whoops let me get that in front of the camera who does not want to see more miracles in our life as the world seems to be getting darker and darker and darker these miracles are shining jesus all the more brilliantly But JP, I love the two verses you have in the opening um, of your book. And I'm going to read them. First of all, is Psalm 145, verses 11 and 12. And you've got it in the King James Version. And it says, they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom Mm. and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Amen. I mean, uh, ah. Perfect verse. And then you you couldn't leave another one out because this verse is just as powerful from 1 Corinthians 4.20. And I have to tell you, since Tom and I've read this several, I don't know, a month or so ago, we've been quoting this verse everywhere we go. And that is the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Amen. I mean, that's Amen. why we're here now. You know, you know the disciples over two thousand years ago walked the earth, and we would not sitting be sitting here talking today if the talk didn't move to power. That's right? Exactly.
0: Absolutely, that's you exactly bet. right. Well, and JP, I just love this this opening statement in your book, and it to me, it's like a shot across the bow. It's so definitive of what you're trying to say. I believe that God wants to see his church experience a renewal of Christian living that flows from a thoughtful, confident, bold acceptance of an explicitly biblically-based, supernatural Christian worldview. And then this is what I love, the capstone. After all, it is our birthright. Mm. And what a strong statement that is. Wow.
2: Mm. Well, there have been so many people in the West who have identified miracles with goofiness? Mm-hmm. Uh, they think that people who kind of, sort of seek that kind of thing are are just way out there. And they they have also, uh, without knowing it, they have in, absorbed a naturalistic view of the world that the physical world is really all there is, and mm-hmm. science is the only field that gives us what's real. Mm-hmm. Now they wouldn't say that, but in their day-to-day lives, uh, so many in the Western church act as if there are no demons or angels and that, that God is is he's up there, and, but he, he really doesn't do anything. We can read the Bible and that's it. And I want to say that with all due respect, that's not right. And mm-hmm. we're missing out on a key component of spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And I... If I could just say one more thing, I I did research. I read the book of Acts afresh, and I did research on the first four centuries of the church. Mm -hmm. And then I called uh, an expert in church history to verify my findings. And, And I was looking for what did they have in mind when they went about trying to build disciples and evangelize. And there were three things I discovered. One was to cultivate a distinctive life of the mind that where Christians knew what they believed and why and could distinguish their understand, their worldview from their culture. Secondly, uh, the, the deep cultivation of Christ-like character, the fruit of the Spirit, and it centered around the tender heart for God. But third was the demonstration of God's kingdom through signs and wonders and power. And that did not stop with the disciples. It continued. And I want the church to recapture that and not think that they're somehow
0: foolish for doing that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so good. And, you know, you, you have a quote from Tertullian, and he lived from 155 to 230 AD, defending Christians, against Mm -hmm. roman persecution and what what did he say in response to the to the persecution Well, well yeah this is crazy because he's writing to this roman
2: official who has authority to stop the persecutions and he says this to him basically why in the world would you want to crucify us who follow jesus after all we're the ones who heal your sick and, and deliver the people that are your citizens from demons. If you persecute us, who's going to do that in our place? No one.
1: Wow. And
2: so you, you don't write something like that to a dangerous man who has authority over you. Unless you you know that he knows what you're saying is true.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. if he thinks this guy's just making this up or lying to me, I'm going to go after him harder. <laughs> So that's a pretty good piece of evidence.
0: Wow. And you know what? We experienced something along this lines as far as when I wrote Dreams and Visions, I was asked to speak in a church shortly after. It's an evangelical church and great church. And um, they said, could you come and talk about what God's doing in the Middle East? Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, don't talk about Muslims having dreams. We don't feel comfortable with that. And I said, oh, okay. you know, maybe that's happening. But Jesus dreams. We don't feel comfortable about that. And I said, well, they don't go to bed a Muslim, wake up a Christian because they had a dream. Well, yeah, we know that. But we just don't feel comfortable. An assistant pastor called me. A secretary called me. I've heard it three times. I got to the church before I spoke. I kid you not, JP, I heard it four more times. We're so excited you're here, Tom. By the way, could you not talk about miracles? So I shared I didn't talk about Muslims having dreams about Jesus. But immediately when we opened it up to the congregation, first question, question, a woman says, hey, I've heard Muslims are having dreams about Jesus. What do you think about that? (laughs) And I I looked at the pastoral staff and said, I didn't bring it up, you know, (laughs) but but here's this. Got to answer the question. (laughs) Exactly. Wanting to know about it, I'm hearing this, and so that brings up the question. And it's the title of the first chapter, and it's so good. Why are so many Westerners embarrassed about miracle stories?
2: Yeah, and I think I think there there are two reasons. I think one of them, as I've already stated, uh, the the worldview of naturalism uh, that is in the drinking water. Uh, yeah. People don't actually uh, write in a paper a definition of naturalism, which is that the physical world is all there, we can really know, and there are no interventions in nature. There might have been a first cause, and that's it. Uh, so this is in the public school system. It is in all kinds of venues in society, and we just absorb this by living in this culture. It's not that we make a choice. Oh, yes, I'm a naturalist. So Christians in the church have imbibed from naturalism, and they're embarrassed Mm -hmm. by miracle stories because it doesn't seem thoughtful and reasonable or sophisticated. And, And so that's one reason. And I counter that in the book. The second reason is right to your point, Tom. We do not bear witness to one another of the miracles we've seen in our own lives. I go into churches, including cessationist churches. How many of you have had a miraculous answer to prayer? 85%. How many of you've ever heard God direct or guide you in some way that you knew it was was the Lord? Mm -hmm. 70%. Mm -hmm. How many of you know of someone who was healed miraculously? Mm -hmm. Same numbers, but we don't share with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things in the early part of the book is while I give 14 reasons that I really thought out as to why God doesn't answer prayer or heal, and that helps with disappointment with God.
1: Right.
2: Nevertheless, I list eight reasons how we can grow in our expectation of these things. And mm-hmm. one of them is start asking your Christian friends when you meet, hey, have you ever seen God do something supernatural mm. uh, in the last year. Just has anything ever happened, prayer or healing, or have you ever sensed the presence of a of a, an unseen force or person? Or, and you will be shocked that just bringing that question up just releases this dam that people have not, they've been afraid because they don't want to appear spiritual or, or stupid. So yeah. they don't talk about it. And so we get the impression that nothing's happening, and that I can tell you the book shows that's not true. Right,
0: Boy, that oh my gosh, is yes. for sure. And you
1: know, we all want to hear those things. Yeah. And it does, as you are alluding it to. It does. It's like a vitamin B12 shot to our faith. I mean, we just bleed. tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. So that brings me to our next question, which you address so beautifully in this book, and I loved how you address this, JP. Um, the question is, how do we recognize the difference between miracles? and just mere coincidence and then you've come up with this i love this two factors that must be present for this intellectual agent principle yeah. i love this because yeah. it's um, crucial it is so crucial and i look back at different times in my life when i've seen god do a miracle or a miraculous answer to prayer and each time jp i see those two points there that's right so yeah well, more- exactly
2: so so here's why this is important joanne uh, one of the purposes for God intervening is to build and encourage and uplift us and embolden us. Mm-hmm. But now if you, if you see something, you may be encouraged that day. But the next day you tar- start saying to yourself, you know, that could have been a coincidence. And it starts eroding what God had for you mm-hmm. by doing this to begin with. And so this is an important thing to know for your own nurture so that you don't start leaking your face. I love that. Yeah, and so the principle starts with the recognition that in the world, sometimes we see a cause that produces an effect and Mm -hmm. the cause is impersonal. An example, a flash of lightning is an impersonal cause that produces the splitting of a tree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, those are where a, a, a non-person produces an effect. But, you know, when I go look at our dinner table and the, and the plates and the, and the cups were arranged in a specific way, I know that that wasn't done by the laws of nature or some uh, elect, uh, earthquake that happened. Mm-hmm. Right. I know that it was done by, uh, by a free rational agent who intentionally did that, namely my wife, Mm-hmm. who knew we were having our Chinese neighbors, not our Mexican neighbors. And so the plates are arranged in a specific way. Mm-hmm. So in the world, there are both personal causes and impersonal causes. Mm-hmm. Now, the principle that I uh, share in the book, which to me is worth the price of admission, it's oh, called the agent oh, principle. And it originated not in religion, but science. And it's used regularly in forensic science to determine if this was a murder or an accident, archeology, span linguistics, psychology, anthropology. It's used in the sciences, and here it is. When two principles are met, two conditions are met, then it is beyond any reasonable doubt that this event or phenomenon was caused by the act of an intelligent personal agent and it isn't an act a coincidence Mm -hmm. and the first one is that the event has to be highly improbable unlikely but that's not enough that's necessary but you need more than that and here's why if uh, Tom and I were playing bridge and we had a $500 kitty we were playing for winner take all and we, I, I'm the dealer and we deal out the cards. And lo and behold, on the first deal, I get a perfect bridge hand. Now, was that done by an intelligent agent, me, cheating? <laughs> <laughs> or was it just abs- actually just a random coincidence? Well, number one, that's pretty unlikely. Right. But so was Tom's hand. His hand of 13 cards, as, as improbable as mine, and you can see that if somebody had predicted he would get exactly those 13 random cards before the deal, whoa, that would be a problem. All mm-hmm. right. So it, they're equally improbable, but mine has something his doesn't because his hand doesn't raise suspicion, mine does. Right, right. And it is that there has to be something about this event that makes it special besides the fact that it happened. Now, Tom's hand can only be described as some random hand or other that he got. There's nothing, there's no other way to describe it, but mine is special independently of the fact that it was the hand I got. And here's how the rules of bridge say that anybody who gets this particular hand wins. So it's the combination of the specialness of that type of hand plus me getting it, even though that was unlikely, that indicates I cheated. Mm-hmm. Now, this, was do- this actually was applied by Democrats. Years ago, in an election in Ohio, they sued a Republican and used this principle to win. There were uh, eight districts where elections were being held, and there were eight, seven or eight parties in each district. Now, when the different ballots were produced in these eight districts, lo and behold, the Republican candidate was first on each one of the ballots. Now, that's pretty unlikely for that to happen. Mm -hmm. But if it had been some random distribution on eight of the ballots, that would have been equally improbable. So while this was improbable, the the thing that caused the Democrats to win and, and to sue this Republican for, I forget the amount, but a good amount, is that when whoever's listed first on a ballot gets more votes because they're first, and the Republican was in charge of printing the ballots. Oh. So he had a vested interest in Republican candidates winning, and he therefore had an interest in their names being listed first. And it was that combination that caused the judge to say, you cheated and you're guilty. Mm-hmm. Now, you can apply this to prayer if you pray for something, or if you if you see a dream or a vision,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then it happens. And it's unlike, it's not like you, you have a dream that the sun's going to come up tomorrow and it does, but it's something specific. And then that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, that event, which is improbable, the healing or the fulfillment of the dream or the pr- answer to the prayer is highly unlikely. And it's special because it is exactly what you prayed for. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. that's not an accident. It would be foolish to believe mm-hmm. that's an accident.
0: Wow. Wow. We are privileged. We're talking with distinguished theologian J.P. Moreland about his book and really his life, A Simple Guide to Experience Miracles. And J.P., I came across this passage in the Old Testament. I thought, wow, this really speaks to what we're talking about today. It's 2 Chronicles 16, and it's about King Asa. And if you remember, he started off great, and then the end was not so good. But uh, God says this in Second Chronicles 16.9 for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God does this. I don't see any expiration date on that, that this is a miracle for those that that love him. But then it goes on and King Asa, this is where he blew it. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Mm -hmm. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not mm-hmm. seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Oh no! And and look at that. Couldn't that be said about so many believers today? No. And, and uh, yeah. shouldn't we, as believers, think first response prayer? Uh, of course. Praise God for doctors and what.
2: Absolutely, it's a both and. But we ne- but our first response is to seek healing prayer. Then we go to the doctor if if the Lord doesn't do anything. But I'm with you 100%. In fact, I've got examples in the book of absolutely miraculous healings, including some that are actually published in medical journals.
1: Mm-hmm. So there
2: is medical documentation of these healing miracles.
1: Right. You talk about Susan's story. Um, in fact, I love this because this this kind of brought me to a question. Susan is a Jewish woman. And um, so you have to correct me if I've got any of the details wrong. But she had gone through cancer treatments. And finally, had the doctors had said it's in like 51 different parts of your body. There's nothing else we can do. We've done all the treatment we can. Right. Emo
2: radiation,
0: everything. Uh,
1: Basically, go home, live your last days out till you die. And then she heard some of her students or some of your somebody had told her about your church. Or you talk the rest of the story.
2: Well, yeah, she had 51 points of cancer throughout her body, and and they tried everything and they committed her to hospice care, which is the way you care for people when they're gonna die. A Christian friend of hers said, look, you're Jewish, I know that, but there's a church near here where they pray for the sick on Monday nights and after the service. Why don't you let me take you to our prayer room on Monday night? You got nothing to lose. So she came to our church and there, a group of three or four people took her to a private room, asked permission to lay hands on her and prayed over her. Now the first two Monday nights she came and nothing happened. But she felt so loved and blessed, Mm -hmm. which is is what you promise people is that we will love you and bless you. You don't promise healing. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: So that she came back the third night she came back. And I had this testimony from two of the brothers I've known for 30 years. They're just great guys Mm -hmm. and they have giftings. Uh, She said, I felt heat like oil inside me come from my skull down to my feet. And I knew intuitively I had been healed. So she, the next morning, she called her oncologist and said, I know that you're not seeing me, but I will pay myself for another scan. And I have a reason. Can you get me in this week? And he fitted her in and took a scan. And he came out and to her own testimony, his jaw was on the floor. Wow. So he said, I don't know how to tell you this. But not only do you have no cancer, there's no evidence you ever did. And he showed her the plates. One was the before riddled with cancer. The two, no sign of it whatsoever. Now, uh, at that, because of that, she committed her life to Jesus and became a Messianic Jew. I contacted her five or six years after this
1: mm-hmm.
2: because I was being on uh, uh, interviewed on a PBS special about whether miracles are real. And they had a lot of atheists and Christian theists that that were, and I was on our side on that one. I wanted to cite her miracles. So I I got her email and I emailed her and I described what I'd been told by my buddies and said, did this really happen? And I have all this in a folder right here. I've got the email exchange so nobody can say Uh I'm making this up. She not only said all of what you've said is exactly what happened and when I think about it to this day, I, I just get overwhelmed with gratitude. And for the last five years or so, it has never come back. Wow. And I am continuing to be on fire for, my, for the Messiah, Jesus, and mm-hmm. to worship him as God's son.
1: Wow. Well,
2: that mit- matches the design filter. And it's commonsensically a miracle anyway. I'm I mean, talking, yeah. Yeah, a spontaneous remission give me a
0: break. Oh That's gosh. exactly right. Yeah.
1: Spontaneous. Remission. Yeah, I don't oh my gosh. Think okay. So. so a couple of questions with that, yeah. you know, we are so blessed. Um, like you are here in the West seeing so many miracles and it does just so deepen and encourage your faith and our, everyone's faith. And we're seeing it happen more in the middle East where we work. Um, we're like this woman, the people don't know Jesus and this miracle then leads them to the, the, greater miracle which is the salvation of their eternal salvation of their soul so maybe some of our our listeners are questioning this does do you notice more of these miracles happening to people so that they come to faith in christ or not necessarily
2: i i'm not uh adequate to answer that uh if i had to guess Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i would guess that in in the united states it is probably more frequent among believers. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The reason is because I don't think very many people who share the gospel connect conversion with God manifesting himself in power. Mm-hmm. So I would say the Western church probably doesn't present the gospel that way. So we see less of it,
0: mm-hmm. but in the
2: church there is, however, overseas <clears throat> from what I've been told, uh, it would be more unbelievers though. God still Heals his children, too. Okay. I don't want to say that, but I would say it would be the opposite, especially in the Middle East. But I, mm-hmm. I, I would defer to you. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, That's- I love what you said, though, that we're still seeing miracles here yes. in the West to God's children. Because as you mentioned in your book, God loves us and he wants us to know how much he loves well,
2: us. Well, absolutely. And, and, and the mistake that the cessationists made, who believed that the miraculous gifts of the spirit have stopped is that they think that those were performed as signs. That's one reason they were performed. And that, by the way, is still needed today. It's mm-hmm. not like that stopped once we had the Bible. That sign function is still needed. Mm-hmm. And we both can tell many stories of people who've been dedicated their lives because they saw something or came to faith because they had a mm-hmm. dream or vision. But the second reason is that God Jesus also clearly healed people just because he loved them. In the New Testament, the gospels are constantly saying, and Jesus had compassion for her and he healed her because he had compassion Mm -hmm. and that stayed. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is an important point for our our watchers here. Um, I believe that all of the gifts that are listed in the scriptures are available to us today, but for those who don't, you should still find ways to increase your expectation of at least five different kinds of miracles that I mentioned in the book, and here's why. My fundamental theological basis for us growing in this is not the gifts. It's the power of the kingdom that Mm -hmm. is here in a new form since Jesus came. Jesus brought a new form of the kingdom that wasn't present before his coming. Now, I believe that there is a future form of the kingdom that will, that will be its full manifestation. So we live in what they call a now-not-yet period, and that means that we're not always going to see what we pray for happen. But still, Paul says the kingdom of God, as you pointed out, Joanne, does not consist in talk or words, but in the manifestation of power. Mm -hmm. So I theologize these five miracles, specific answers to prayer, healings, uh, hearing God speak to you in a whole number of ways, uh, demonic and angelic manifestations that are real and near-death experiences. Um, I, I, I theologize these based on the kingdom and its manifestation and power, not on the gifts. Mm-hmm. Though that's a secondary reason for me. So those who are cessationists should still get on board.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. They the kingdom has power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. So well, you know, uh, JP, in the church today in the West, certain biblical topics can quickly set the church on fire and just burn it to the ground quick. <laughs> Eschatology. How many sites have we been in that? A Holy Spirit, uh, worship music styles. Um, in some places, the real battle in Bible translations. I preached at a church that yeah. some people told me they didn't want me to preach because I wasn't using a certain version. And and miracles. And all of these are tremendous blessings. The The return of the Lord, the Holy Spirit with us. The ability to worship, uh, God's word, miracles that are happening today, but somehow they become divisive. Why is that? What, what, what do you think that is? I, I think that in the
2: second decade of the 1900s, in a meeting in St. Louis in 1914, there were evangelical leaders or fundamentalist leaders at that time that came from all over the country because they all recognized they were losing their denominations to liberals and they were losing the culture to, to encroaching European secularism and liberalism. And so they developed a strategy about how to fight back. Unfortunately, the strategy wasn't to raise up a group of people that could, could respond to these charges and answer them and do apologetics, but instead, okay. They retreated from uh, the culture and formed their own schools. Now I'm all for that, but not the reason they formed them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And 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 the here was the difficulty: there were two groups that were uh, fighting that were uh, there besides the liberals, and one were the, were the fundamentalists who did not want to keep the liberals in their denominations. Mm-hmm. The second were people who agreed doctrinally with the fundamentalists but were open to letting liberals stay in the schools, churches, and denominations and so on. So what happened is that this, this conservative group had to find ways to distinguish itself from the middle group. And it did so on the basis of picky uni uh <laughs> extra biblical like no mixed bathing, uh, and also on doctrines mm-hmm. that they felt were so important which their peripheral doctrines, but that made them the pure s- strand of the church mm. instead of this water down one in the middle, and that hasn't we have never recovered mm. from that.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Mm Mm. Wow. Joanne, you had a couple of.
1: Well, you know, JP, I have to say um, in reading your book, I, you are a respected intellectual worldwide. And oh, yes. so oh, thank yeah, you. You have this passionate relatable heart for Jesus um you know to meet and talk with you you are so genuine so sincere so you've got this perfect balance of deep intellect but such well. relatability which is rare to find it is and so when i i confess when i first started reading your book um i had to read the first two chapters twice to glean everything it was so deep and so rich i didn't I understand. want to share yes I didn't, but then then, it was so good. But then I love what you said at the end of chapter two. Some of you may need to find, may need to read this over again. I thought, phew, I'm not alone. I'm in good company. (laughs) No, No. I love. Well, I
2: I I realized in college when I came to Jesus that if Christianity weren't true, then nothing made any difference. There was no Mm -hmm. other worldview that made sense to me, and that meant God did not exist. And nothing Mm -hmm. mattered in the end of the day. And Mm -hmm. so the Lordship of Christ became my only hope to ever amount to anything. And so I've clung to him because I have been desperately in need of what he provides. Thus, my academic work hasn't been for a career or any of that stuff. It has been so I can spread the kingdom in areas where a lot of people don't go. Uh, And that's so I'm motivated by my passion for the Lord Jesus. And it's easy to incorporate that in there. That's it. I think that's what happened.
1: Well, you know, again, that combination. Yes. That combination that God has woven into you. Yes. Um, what it did for me in reading your book is, I mean, everybody questions, do miracles still happen or do they still happen in the West? But combining that with your deep knowledge and your intellect, and even what your degrees are in, you can yeah. speak to people that I cannot speak to. I mean, I can go more on my emotion and more on, you know, on where I am, but you are, at a, God's got you at a such higher and deeper plane that the people that the real skeptics the atheists i love that you said you've been working with atheists and, and agnostics. agnostics for over 50 years god has yeah. given you this incredible platform among the intellects that very few people can travel on and talking about this topic of miracles which is who our god is we have a miracle well we do and, and this is
2: evidence. and this book is evidence of that and there are other books that provide evidence like you've written but let me comment, uh, because this is important. What I, we all have different roles to play in the body. And I, and we what we need to do is be good and faithful in our own role, not somebody else's. Now, what I wanted to do was to take whatever gravitas or academic respect I have, and to weigh in on miracles because the people who often write about this are kind of out there a little bit and they're, they're not very yeah. thoughtful. Right. I, mean, I don't mean courteous, but, but thoughtful. Yes, I know
1: what you mean, yes. Mm-hmm. So in the
2: beginning, I, I tell people, there in the book, there are 40 to 50 highly vetted store accounts.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I say, I stake my reputation on the truthfulness of these accounts because every single one of them I I had to pass rigorous uh, questioning. I went. I tried to find a number of witnesses for them when that was possible, and so I didn't let these. I didn't just grab some guy in the middle of Arkansas who said, "Hey, guess what happened to my cow?" You know, Um, (laughs) I I I I vetted these, and I am utterly confident that these are acts of Almighty God, or demons, or angels, uh, and the people need to read something like this to open themselves up to to a present supernatural world that's all around us. This isn't make-believe or something we just believe by a blind leap. (laughs) You read my book and you tell me how you can explain what happens in that book. If there isn't a God, if there aren't supernatural beings, right. Amen. I'll take you out for a steak dinner if you can do that.
0: Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yes. You know, JP, when we first started working in the Gaza Strip, we have a friend named Hussein. Hussein is Palestinian, uh, Muslim, came to faith in Christ, worked in the Gaza Strip. And in Israel, I know you've been there, there are some people that you look at and you say, oh, that guy is Arab. And then some you look at, this this guy is Jewish. You can really tell. Uh, others kind of have a mix and it's hard to tell if you had to guess, you're just not sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Hussein was in the Gaza Strip one night and he was lost and he stopped and asked for directions. And as he stopped this man on the side of the road, he saw a man pull back, a horrified look on his face and he thought, gee, what's that about? And the guy ran off. Well, he saw him running toward the mosques and he gets back in his car Here's the guy go up to the minaret in the mosque and yells, there's a dirty Jew in Gaza, the dirty Jew, kill the dirty Jew. And he thought, they think I'm Jewish. And he gets in the car and he said, he had already stopped for directions. He doesn't know where he is. And he said, Lord, you got to help me. And he said, Tom, all I know is this. I just started moving forward. And I heard this, go right, go straight, go left. And this is JP back when I was, you know, kind of grappling with the whole miracle things. And I, is that really happening? And he said, I said, Hussein, whose voice was it? And he said, I don't know, but there was no one in the car. Maybe it was Jesus, maybe it was angels.
2: Well, it was because I mean, I (laughs) have heard 10 accounts of this very thing about directions. I want you to talk to a person, turn right. They go out to the house and this person's ready to commit suicide and they knock on the door and share Christ. And they didn't know how to get there. They heard the Lord say, turn here. So uh, this is your, this account is not surprising to me. I mean, it's wonderful, but uh, you know, this is, this is real. This is, God does this.
0: It really happened. Great story. Oh, so, so many miracles in this book that you write about and we were just enjoying them Give up one of your favorite miracles. How's that? It doesn't do even a- have to be the yeah. book? just any yeah. miracle
1: that story that you love.
2: Well, um, there are so many uh, uh, words of knowledge. Uh, um, I went to a conference in 94 uh, that was held at a local Christian college campus in the summer. And it, it was a six week conference, and they had invited Korean American. Uh, college students from about 30 states to come to this conference for six weeks. <clears throat> and they were there were about 140, 130 of them there. Now during that six week period of time, they were the, the teaching was going to be done entirely by the staff that were at the conference, except they were going to invite four or five outside speakers for the six week period. I was invited to speak four times. So on apologetics. And so I spoke Thursday uh, uh, morning, uh, 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 Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night and Saturday. Friday night, I showed up and they were having a worship service. And I loved that. So I realized I wasn't going to speak for an hour. And so I sat in the back. And as I was just hearing the music and worshiping, I said, Lord Jesus, is there anything you'd like me to say? and the the thought came to me and it has a texture for me of coming from outside me not bubbling up from inside and it just passed through in a very calm but but authoritative non-judgmental but authoritative way there is a young man here named mike before he came he had a confrontation with his pastor mm-hmm. and he has blamed himself all summer and it's ter- it's dragging him down at this conference. But it was not his fault, it was his pastor's and he needs to confront him. There are also some of my children who are being demonized. They mm-hmm. cannot go to sleep at night and they have been sleepless for days on end and they're, 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 they're vulnerable. I want you to deliver them. Now wow. I was only 70, 30, it was the Lord. That's one thing that's important. When I preach the Bible, there are often other interpretations of the one I'm going to give you that are in the bounds of being reasonable. Mm -hmm. I happen to think mine's the best. That's why I teach it. But I'm only 60-40 sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm 90-10. Same with hearing God's voice.
1: Mm -hmm. If
2: if you're a little bit over 50-50, then you have a little, it might very well be. The higher you go, the more confidence you had. So I was about 70-30 on this, and so I did it. And uh, after I spoke, I got the people in groups and said, I want to tell you something I think the Lord may have said to me. I said this and then I prayed deliverance prayers over the group and I left at about 10, 20. I looked at my watch. I drive back the next morning in the parking lot just to, to give my final talk. And I'm there early just to set up. And the head of the Conference comes running across the parking lot to talk to me. And I'm thinking, oh no, he did not like that. (laughs) And he says, JP, do you know what happened after you left last night? I said, I have absolutely no idea. He said, the Holy Spirit came into the room with such power that Mm -hmm. students began to to fall on their faces and weep and confess sins until two o'clock in the morning. And he said, Oh my
1: God. And he
2: said, Have you met Mike? I said, oh, no. I said, are you telling me there's honestly a Mike here? And he said, yeah, there's one guy named Mike. And he's right over there, and he's got to talk to you. So Mike comes over and says, excuse me, Dr. Moreland, but how did you know that? I said, I didn't know it. I was 70, 30. And, <laughs> and he said, well, I said, talk, talk to me. And he said, I'm from New Jersey. Before I came to the conference, my girlfriend and I went to see our senior pastor to get his blessing. And he's a godly man, but he said some things that were really rude and were kind of out of bounds. Mm. When we left, my girlfriend said, well, what was that? And I said, well, I I must have done something wrong because I know that he's a godly man and he wouldn't just do that unprovoked. And it's been eating me up all all summer here. What you don't know, Dr. Moreland, is we're having five speakers come in. From outside, one of them is my pastor and he gets here tonight. He's going to oh. speak tomorrow morning at our Sunday gathering. And now I know because he's here, what I need to do tomorrow is talk to him. Two, 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 two young girls came up to me independently and said that when I prayed the deliverance prayer, they felt something dark leave them.
0: Wow. And they
2: slept like they didn't know each other. They both were reporting as like babies that night. There's an example of a word of knowledge that was given to me and I was pretty confident, but I wasn't sure it was from the Lord. I was confident enough that I was gonna step out and risk, and I'm sure glad I did. And that
1: I love what you just said, JP. You, you stepped out and you risked, And I think so much that is what God is looking for. We call it radical obedience, costly, immediate, costly, radical obedience. You could have just pushed that aside and look what happened. Those people would not have been set free absolutely god's power would not have been un- unleashed to where till two in the morning these young men and women are on their faces before the lord but mm-hmm. there is something we risk whether it's our reputation whether it's embarrassment being wrong but i love That's what right. you said i think this is what god said but you know we'll leave that to the holy spirit if well it's right. and
2: what if you're wrong if you're doing it sincerely and earnestly exactly. and doing it in faith then if they say, well, no, it did not make sense to me, then you say, well, okay, I'm sorry, I was, I, I tried, and so tried to on that's it, you know? That's so, so, so
0: true. Well, learn you know, from
2: your mistakes. That's exactly, exactly right.
0: Joanne has a, a quick story from, from Israel, and we're privileged to do trips to Israel. Haven't had one in two years, but we've been there over 80 times now doing Bible tours, and Joanne felt impressed to pray for women that had a problem in a specific spot. Not that our prayers are location driven, Mm -hmm. but tell that Joanne.
1: Yeah. So, um, we love to go to Shiloh, you know, where the tabernacle was for what? 369 years. years. Yeah. Beautiful spot. You still find the pottery shards there. You know, they would break them, you know, their cooking pots and their holy vessels. And so, you know, the whole area is just covered with those pottery shards. But one of the things we love to do is to take women that are struggling with infertility and pray for them. Just as that's the spot where Hannah came to Eli and prayed and to God that he would open her womb and Lord, if you give me a son, I will give this son back that's to right. you. And of course. I love it. Gives her the son, Samuel, you know, one of our greatest prophets of all time. And she does give him back to the Lord. It's like adoption in reverse. You know what I'm saying? And um, so since then, you know, we've had many women that will come up and and with tears. You know, we've been trying for this long to have a baby or what have you. Um, One of them. And so we've had, I can think of just offhand, three women that have had babies since we prayed for them at Shiloh. One was our own daughter, Lindsay. Mm Mm-hmm. Another was um, a couple that their gran- their daughter was not there, but they she was not able to conceive. She senses had a baby. And then oh my just, goodness. This week, just this week, there was a couple that had tried for years and she had so many um, physical problems yeah. that the doctor said, well, we could do in vitro. We could do this. We could do that. So they adopted a child. So they have a little one-year-old that they adopted. Well, just this week, she delivered her Oh and no! A biological baby. How,
0: how absolutely cool is that?
1: Isn't that precious? This is beautiful it is.
0: And you know what? The JD,
1: miracle of life.
0: That really? was in seventy thirty because Joanne said, "I think the Lord wants me and us to pray for women that are having problems with fertility. I think we should do it here. Look at this story, and we thought, let's go with it. And not there and you go. go. Not that we have to do it in a certain place, or we have to pray at the wall in Jerusalem. Right, right. We can pray anywhere, anytime. We can come boldly, right. The Lord. Right, but." Wow. Did something amazing happen And you know the neat
1: thing about they had a little boy, the ones that just had the babies last week. Do you know what they named that little child is Eli?
2: Oh, no. This is too much. I I just love
1: it. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, it's just
0: beautiful. Okay. So on, on page 141, you say this. This is one of the most amazing healing stories I've ever heard. And it's Barb Comiskey. Yeah, and uh, what a story that is! And we've got it uh, open here to 141. But this this one was was powerful. This one was powerful. 141. Yeah, uh, her
1: name is Barb Kaminsky Snyder. If that rings yes. a bell to you.
0: And you and Hope came across her while reading physicians' untold stories. Yes. And then I, uh, Craig Keener, mm-hmm. had
2: interviewed her and her family and documented it, uh, and it's in the medical records. The bottom line is that she, when she was a young teenager, began to get sick, and over the next few years, she ended up uh, with her organs shutting down. And Mm -hmm. so she had to have a a tube, a a, a feeding tube inserted. Uh, She had uh, to, to wear a catheter And she had to have a a place where she could, uh, you know, admit her her bowel movements. And uh, as a result, she began to lose her ability to walk around. And she she laid in bed, except her mother would get her up sometimes and have her go to the restroom to, to wash her face or brush her teeth and then help her back. Usually they used a wheelchair and um, she was in this condition lying down for eight years. Her legs had shriveled. They could not support her weight because she had never used those muscles. And she was beginning to shrivel and, and, and blow away. Now, during this time, she had five, about five or six doctors that were specialists in different things that she regularly saw every couple of months. And there were there were two of her doctors that were specialists with her th- throughout this entire eight-year period that wrote this account. What happened was that she was in her bed, as usual, and she had a couple of friends, uh, high school friends, uh, come and see her. And While she was laying there, her head was up against the wall, but she heard a voice talk to her from behind her.
0: Mm.
2: And the voice said, Barb, I want you to get up. I am going to completely heal you. Mm. And she somehow absolutely knew that that was coming from God. And so she told her friends, I want you to go in the living room and get my mom and dad and my uncle and bring the family in here. So the family came in and her two friends were there. And and she said, I want you all to know that God told me he's going to heal me right now. And I know it was his voice. Mm -hmm. So she got up. Now, when she got up, her her muscles in her legs grew back to normal, and that was witnessed by everybody in that room, and they have been interviewed thoroughly about this, and it, independently, and and their stories all agreed, and they were, and the doc they went to the doctor and they testified that she had no more problems. They took the tubes out. Um, her, le- her, her muscle structure and her legs were normal. Wow. They, they bear witness to this. And when Craig Keener interviewed them, he's a professor, he got some of the medical records and found this there and interviewed the doctors and all the eyewitnesses. And so this is, and to this day, the, uh, she is walking with the Lord, she's married. Wow. Uh, and so on, and I don't. That is a that is an intervention of God. Wow. That
0: gave him great glory. Wow. And, uh, miraculous healing. Wow.
1: Astounding.
0: Astounding. Astounding. Okay, so believers, you got to get this book yes. by J.P. Moreland, A Simple Guide to Experience mm-hmm. Miracles, and as we close, Doctor Moreland. What is there anything you want to leave the believers with here? Maybe a final charge or anything that you'd like to just leave them with.
2: Sure. I, for the longest time in my Christian life, I was missing my birthright. Mm-hmm. I loved to develop my mind for the Lord, and I loved trying to develop my character, which were absolutely important. But the whole idea that there was a power available to me in, in a in a in a in a supernatural way. Mm-hmm was not something that I really had embraced. Mm -hmm. I was missing my birthright. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that any longer. And I don't want you, my brothers and sisters, to do that. Mm -hmm. I am asking you, give me a chance. Mm -hmm. You don't have to believe a word of what I've said in the show. Mm -hmm. But would you be willing to just give me a hearing? That's all I'm asking you to do. And if you read the book, just try to keep as much of an open mind as you can and and see what happens. I don't think you have anything to lose if you do that. And that's all I'm asking, because there could be something incredible that will start happening in your life if you get exposed to this sort of thing. Thank you, Tom and Joanne. Love you guys a
0: lot. Oh, We love you so much. Love you, JP. And this has given... A lot of hope to people reading this mm-hmm. book. Many have given up, uh, many felt they might, you know, and that's so dangerous. Many people think they're going to be labeled. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're just emotional. This is part of what God wants for his, for his people, just like he said to, to King Asa, he's for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those mm-hmm. whose hearts are fully. Committed to him. He does these things. He does. And we pray for those that are in need of a miracle right now. Right. In fact, why don't we just close in prayer, to yes, we're Let us pray a yes. prayer. Thank you, yes.
1: We could go on talking all day. This has been sure. so amazing. Oh, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the miracles that we've seen you perform in your word, Lord Jesus, continue to happen today because you are the same, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you you resurrected Jesus from the grave, and that same Holy Spirit power is it within each one of us. So our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you become bigger in each one of our minds, yes. each one of our hearts, and each one of our lives. And we begin by asking forgiveness for limiting who you are and who we believe that you are. And because of that, so often we don't see you work. So Father, we want to see you work in power and in might. So So open all of our hearts, those that are listening, oh Jesus, um, may they see you in power and truth. Thank you for JP and for hope and all that you've taught them, all that you've shown them and the influence that you've given them. Continue to use them and this book and the other books that JSP has written for your glory. Oh, Jesus, we want so much um, not to limit you, but we want to see you in all of your all of your power and all of your glory so that others can know who you are as Savior and Lord. Thank you for this time together. Use it, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. JP, thank you for your inspirational life this inspirational book and you are going to really change a lot of hearts as they read through this. So thank you. God wired you to do this. Well,
2: bless you, brother and sister. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Thank you for having me. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.